The power of a gun can kill, and the power of fire can burn. The power of wind can chill, and the power of a mind can learn. The power of anger can rage inside until it tears you apart. But the power of a smile, especially yours, can heal a frozen heart. The power of a smile by Tupac Shakur. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Composition Podcast, episode 15. Of course, as always, it's your host, Dermaine. Um, my opening poem there, I felt like was perfect for this week um, for a few different reasons. The first being because like anytime you open your phone or turn on a TV, it's some different type of situation that's fucking tragic and heartbreaking. And I just feel like smiling, even though it's hard to smile in these times, especially if you're, you're personally going through all of this shit that we see day in and day out. It's really hard to smile, but I just feel like smiling can always be that, that extra ump to somebody's day to either deter them from making the wrong decision or motivating them to do the right thing. So, yeah, that was perfect for that. Um, the second reason being because Tupac's birthday is actually coming up. It's the day after mine. Um, a little bit more on Tupac coming up. And the third reason really being because I feel like Tupac really has a lot in common with uh, the author for my book of the week, Barbara F. Williams. As far as socially being there for the people, even if only just as a voice, just making sure that you're going to speak for your people as best as you can with a clear mind and with uh, a, a real message. I feel like both of them did that. And they also stood on, on self-defense and, and protection of oneself, no matter what the fucking the enemy or no matter what the fucking cause was. And I, I feel like I'm really big on that too. And you have to be in this day and age, even with a smile, you have to make sure you can hold your own no matter what. And both of them did that. So yeah, huge shout out to Tupac for that poem. Um, if you don't know who Tupac Shakur is, you should probably cut this podcast off and never listen to anything I have to say again. Because <laughs> that's absolutely crazy for you to not know who that is. It's probably the most iconic, if not top three, debatably, ever, most iconic fucking rap stars ever in history. Um, he was born Lesane Parrish Crooks, June 16th, 1971, in New York City. Uh, quickly moved to Baltimore, then after that uh, to the West Coast in the late 80s. And then in 1991, released his first album. And ever since then has been a fucking icon. And it's another huge reason, actually, that I wanted to start off with that poem is because when Tupac died, when Tupac was killed, he was only 25 years old. And on my birthday, which is the day before Tupac's, I'll be 25 years old. And it really puts life into perspective for me. I feel like, you know, I'm getting older, but I'm still young, especially in experience. So for the him for him to have died at this very age that I'm turning, like I know it's still a lot of shit in life. He didn't get the experience, even though he was this icon. He couldn't have experienced everything, not in 25 years. So again, I feel like it's important to always smile and to try to 
grow through go through the things you go through try to take everything either with the grain of salt or as a as a motivation to keep you going forward something i feel like tupac did something i feel like my author for my book of the week did and something i try to get myself to do and hopefully i can get you to do so just keep smiling man keep working i know it's a lot of fucked up shit going on um a lot of my topics this week is a lot of the crazy shit that's happened but all you really can do is try to focus on being your best you to improve everyone else around you, right? I can't even call any of this pop culture, honestly, because it's not. All of my topics this week, to me, are very, very tragic. Um, of course, as you all know, the Buffalo shooting that took place um, at the grocery store in Buffalo, New York, I talked about that on the last episode. And then just 10 days after that, there was a school shooting in Uvalde, Texas, where 19 children were murdered, along with two teachers. And now, just yesterday, shooting took place inside of a hospital in Oklahoma. Um, yeah, it's, it's never ending, these shootings. Um, and it's, it's really crazy. I'm going to try my best not to sound hypocritical in this episode, especially with my book of the book of the week being what it is but it was important for me to choose that book as my book of the week because no matter what your race is I feel like we're getting to a point or we definitely were at a point where gun violence is 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 inescapable and on a governmental level needs to be addressed now my personal opinion about the topic of gun violence and how do we ban guns how do we stop these shootings from happening these public shootings from happening every other fucking day i honestly don't even think there's a possible control that 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 the government can put on just like the access of guns like Anywhere you go in America, every city, every corner in America, there's a gun in every hand. And not just a regular fucking uh, pistol. Like, my personal experience, the places I've traveled, the things I've seen, of course, like if you just cut on a music video, you're going to see a lot of ridiculous shit. I don't think that you can control it up to this point because it's got it's gotten to a point where it's so profitable so accessible like you can literally open your phone and get a gun from anywhere you can go to any fucking gun show or gun store really virtually in any state across the south and buy a fucking gun for nothing for pennies really and it's gotten to a point where it's so profitable that it's really incontrollable in my personal opinion and I say I'm going to try to not sound like a hypocrite because I feel like as much as I'm against the mass access of guns, especially these ridiculous assault rifles and fucking machine guns, it's almost to a point where it's like, if you can't beat them, join them. And the least, like the less and less you know, the more you're putting yourself at a disadvantage of everything you could be fucking up against. And it sounds crazy, but it's like the reality that we're facing now. And I feel like that was one of the reasons, one of the reasons I pushed to get my gun license, mainly because of fear and really the fear of not knowing, like, if I don't have it, what could happen to me? And I know that's, that's like a, a really weird reason, but again, 
when when you're when you're fearful, you don't really have a rational understanding. You just know if I don't know, then I'm losing out. And therein lies to me the duality of the problem in our country. Um, so many people have access to these guns without ever having a background check or without ever having to go through anything. And of course, they they might be going through things personally, but also so many people are fearful of the shit that's going on that that pushes them to do things and they might not understand what it is they're putting themselves into or what it is they're, they're, they're doing and don't really understand consequences because they're just thinking I'm doing this because or I'm doing this out of fear and then that drives a whole new thing it's, it's crazy but um, of course condolences to those that lost their lives in Buffalo condolences to the children and the teachers that lost their lives in Texas and condolences and prayers to those that lost their lives in Oklahoma literally back to back to back within a month span like it's it's absolutely ridiculous and of course everyone wants fucking some type of legislation, some nationwide legislation where the the access to these ridiculous guns like, you know, are at bay, but it's America, yo. Like guns are as American as fucking slavery, as fucking rock music, as as that flag. So I really don't think it's gonna happen. I do think that the focus where everybody's focus should be because the guns are here, like they're not going anywhere. Nobody's gonna just wi willingly give back their guns. Um, I think the focus should really be in training uh, the everyday citizen. And I know that sounds crazy because that's that's part of the problem, but you have to know. If you don't know, to me personally, honestly, I feel like you're missing out. So I feel like the focus should be training the everyday citizen and then pushing for legislation to get policing in the right areas. I know it's crazy to think that police should be in schools and hospitals and just these everyday places, but honestly, they are in like protected communities and places where the dollar means everything. These places are protected. Like you can't just walk into any 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 place and just think you're going to do what you want. So I feel like in certain communities that's where focus should be. Training your your communities for firearms and then putting the people that have the firearms that that literally are trained with the firearms put pushing to put them in the right place like all four years of my high school career i can remember there being a police officer in the school at the school and although it might seem minor like what can that one officer do i do honestly feel like in hindsight that just that presence added a lot of comfort like it's 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 really it's crazy to think about and i know maybe certain schools certain areas don't have that and that should always be a requirement like why do we have the police if we don't have the police where we feel like safety is required like nobody should ever go to school and be in fear of losing their life at school that's like the most precious thing to a kid like school like what the fuck that's that's horrible to think about or being in a hospital you're already suffering. That's why you're in the hospital. 
or you're going there for your profession and you lose your life. Like shit like that is ridiculous. And of course, like I said, in these certain places, there are police already, but that's where I feel like the focus should be. Putting, putting people that are trained with guns, places where we need unlimited protection, like 24 seven protection. Schools is one of those places. Yeah, that's just my two cents on it. I feel like I just went on a whole little rant about that, but it's it's something serious to me. And in my book, my book this week, it's called Negroes with Guns. Of course, I'm going to talk a little bit more about it later. But in my book, the 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 main character, if you will, the main person, this Robert F. Williams guy, he's always advocated for gun rights, informing and educating all of all of his 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 uh, members in his gun group and like the, the people in his community. And it really made a change in his community in the fucking late 1960s where racism literally was fucking unstoppable. So, um, yeah, I feel like it's important. It, it definitely goes hand in hand in what I want to uh, practice in my own life and what I want us to all learn. So shout out to Robert F. Williams for the book. Again, condolences to everyone that's affected by all of these fucking shootings that's happening literally every other day, every week. And man, if you ain't got one, you better get one, honestly. And in the Texas story, like, I don't know how true this is, but I do remember seeing online that uh, they, the, the police were, they weren't allowing the parents. And this is why I say training is important. Before I even get into that, there were reports that the police were apprehensive about going into the school because they were scared to be shot. These are the people that are supposed to serve and protect. Clearly there isn't some that like there, there's a, 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 a lapse in training or fucking in, in, in something in heart, something. And that we have to get rid of. That sounds absolutely crazy. I don't know how true that is. Again, I saw that online. I thought that was fucked up. And then while the once all the police got there, another story I saw was that they weren't allowing the parents to go in and get their own kids. Of course, there's active shooters, so they're trying to keep everybody back. But then, some of the the, the police officers who parents whose uh, kids went to the school went in and got their kids, and that's fucking crazy. That's when I would have went to jail. I feel like that's when I really would have lost it. I mean, of course, I can say that not being in the situation, but to just think about having to to go through something like that man if i would have had my gun on me in that situation especially living in texas where i'm sure some people did it would uh, it's 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 crazy it is absolutely ridiculous um yeah let me try to get a little bit more lighthearted um again condolences uh try to smile everyone try to try to help out as much as you can Try to be there for people as much as you can. Because you might be the fucking, the, 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 the light in somebody. That's literally the silver lining that saves everyone. So if you can, just try to be that. So in other news, Canada has announced, the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, has announced that Canada will be putting a ban on guns. Um in their new legislation they are requiring that all military style assault weapons be turned over and the government buyback program 
and they're putting a regulation that will ban the sale, purchase, importation, or transfer of handguns. Um, although I'm not really for that, I do feel like, you know, if you feel like it'll save lives, which it will, and if you feel like there's already an uh, access of fucking weapons everywhere, which it is, then, you know, it's necessary. Of course, we'll never see that here in America because, like I said, the industry is just too big. If it can influence, you know, some type of regulation, because that's really what everybody is pushing for, what everybody wants, what everybody's hoping for. Not even a complete ban on guns, but some type of regulation, like a regular 18-year-old kid that can be going through anything in the world should not be able to walk into a gun store and just buy a fucking AR-15, M-16, whatever the fuck it is, that is fucking crazy. So if that, you know, can influence in any way, you know, shout out to Canada and Justin Trudeau for making that decision. Um, the trial of John C. Depp II versus Amber Laura Heard has finally ended. Uh, it feels like this fucking trial was forever. Literally... Every week of this trial, there was a new mass shooting in America, which is ridiculous to fucking think about. But uh, let me try to stay here. Um, it started April 22nd, finally ended yesterday, June 1st. Amber Heard found liable of three counts of defamation against Depp. Depp found liable of one count against her. The trial took place literally a stone's throw up this street in Fairfax County. Actually, the one time I got in trouble with the law really, really bad, it was in Fairfax County. And I was in a, a courtroom literally down the street from uh, where this trial took place. So I think that's kind of fucking interesting. Um, Depp was awarded $13 million in damages. Amber Heard awarded $2 million in damages. It was actually hilarious uh, watching the playback and seeing her storm out the courtroom like that. Um... Man, what can be said about that lady? We watched her pretty much fucking butcher her own character with fucking constant lies and just fucking evilness up there on that stand. It was disgusting to watch her. And and I've always, like I said, I've always been a huge fan of Johnny Depp. Like, literally, my favorite actor since I could first start fucking watching movies. And to see what like what has happened to him over the last few years i'm glad he finally got his day in court and both of them released statements after way too fucking long for me to read here but i read both of them fuck amber heard huge shout out to johnny depp and yeah it is what it is um hopefully she doesn't ever get to work in hollywood again like shit like this is not okay and of course she's not gonna <sighs> she should just like she should be exiled for like people that do this type of shit. False accusers should be exiled. And maybe some of the shit she 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 said was true. Some of the shit she fought for was true. But to completely try to, well, not even try to, to completely dismantle a man's character like this, he deserved a lot more. And she deserves a lot worse than what she got. She doesn't deserve two million dollars in damages after shit like this. But that's just my take on it. Um, what else? I would be fucking remiss if I didn't give a rest in peace to the barbarian. Literally days before his birthday, man. 
I'm a Gemini myself, so I, I hold a, a special love for Geminis. This guy was one of the most prolific running backs to ever touch the field. Like, he really was a, a beast, an animal in the field. Rest in peace to Marion Sylvester Barber III, born June 10th, 1983. Passed away June 1st, 2022. He was drafted in the 2005 draft, fourth round, 109th pick overall by the Dallas Cowboys from the University of Minnesota. He played five years from 2005 to 2010 with the Cowboys and one year with the Chicago Bears in 2011 before retiring. He made it to the Pro Bowl in 2007, had 1,156 rushing attempts for 4,780 yards, 53 touchdowns, 179 catches, 1,300 receiving yards, six receiving touchdowns. And although those don't seem like the greatest stats you've ever heard about, trust me when I tell you this guy was prolific. Like, if you ever cut on football and watched the Cowboys in those years, you saw fucking Marion the Barbarian, and, and you knew his name. Just go on YouTube and, and type in Marion Barber highlights, and I promise you, you'll see the most epic shit you've ever, you'll, you'll ever see in football. Uh, again, rest in peace to Marion Barber. Huge loss for fucking, fucking my childhood. This guy was one of those ones for sure. Um, I guess that's gonna be it for my news. It does. It is all sad, unfortunately. It's just the beginning of summer, and it seems like that's where we are with it. I mean, I guess I could give a story. Um, I'm not sure what day it was, but a few weeks back, I went to see Griselda always do see Griselda when they're here like of course as I always say that's my shit that's my favorite shit in rap music for the last five years um and they killed that shit like it really was amazing let me not even undersell it everybody in Griselda was there everybody from Black Soprano family was there everybody from fucking Drumworks was there like literally from Conway the Machine Benny the Butcher and fucking and West Side Gun on down. The entire tree was there. And it was amazing. It really was like a festival in one day. That shit was amazing. Um, the reason I'm telling this story is aside from the show being fucking dope and crazy. And them doing it for like four hours. Man, me and my friend Trey split a fucking magic mushroom bar. And it was, it was, it was a lot. I didn't even eat that day. And we split the mushroom bar. And we were fucking front row of the show literally right in front of the stage and even before the show started i was telling him oh shout out to doughboy doughboy opened up uh for the entire thing he killed it brought out 3-0 black both of them put on but i'm telling the entire time before the fucking the show even started i'm telling man i'm hot as shit can't breathe up here bro i like it but i'm i'm cool i'm high we 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 going through it everything was great the first hour after the show started, it was fucking, it was cool. Vibing out to my favorite shits. And then the mushroom just hit me. Like punching me right in the chest. Um, I can tell you the exact song. West Side Gun had probably did maybe 45 minutes, 45. And I'm going through the motions. I'm high as shit, but I'm enjoying myself. Like the shit really was epic. And then that song, Lotto, came on. One of my favorite fucking songs. The beat dropped, and he was about to fucking... He was talking this shit about Denounced Benny. And, like, the shit just hit me all at one time. 
What the fuck? <laughs> I don't know how Siri did that. So anyways, he's talking his shit. He announces Benny and the fucking mushroom just punches me in the chest. Like, I can't really breathe. I started getting all paranoid. I started sweating. I felt like I was about to throw up. Like, oh, man. Oh, shit. I started stumbling all over the place. So I, I, I just fucking beeline for the bar. Boom. I'm pushing everybody out the way, stumbling and shit. I'm all in a cold sweat and shit. Shit was ridiculous. I get over to the bar to fucking beat knocking. I feel like I'm about to die. I'm literally sweating bullets in a matter of like 30 seconds. Shit was crazy. Um, I ended up crushing a Red Bull, throwing up, hallucinating really, really badly for about 10 minutes. But I ended up making it back to the show. And I just kept telling myself, don't throw up in front of West Side Gun. Don't do it. Oh, it would have been bad. <laughs> it's crazy. But uh, yeah, got back to the show, enjoyed the rest of it. They, they did some epic shit. And the entire time, mind you, I split the mushroom ball with my friend. The entire time, he's just enjoying the show like nothing else happened. Like, the shit was crazy. I'm back there suffering, going through it, going through the motions. And he's fucking <laughs> capturing fucking perfect footage of the show. It was crazy. It was, it was really, really dope. But it is time to get into some literature. My book of the week this week is called Negroes with Guns by Robert F. Williams. Man, what can I say about this book, man? Um, definitely essential reading. Um, for me, being unsure about like getting a gun license or what I would even do with a gun, reading this book really put a lot of things into perspective about just how I should see it for myself and how I should see it for the people around me that I care about. Like, this book put in, into perspective for me that it's not the gun that's dangerous, it's the individual, it's the mindset that they have with the gun. It's about how they choose to act in the presence of weapons. And of course, in the book, the guy, he always made sure he had a, a, a sound presence of mind and he was sure about the decisions he was making with his weapon. And that is what I respect about it. That's why I feel like um, I learned a lot from it. And that's why it's my book of the week. Um, the book, again, it's called Negroes with Guns by Robert F. Williams. Um, this mobile version I've read from, it's 160 pages. This book is literally a day's reading. But it was a perfect fucking read. It was an epic book, trust me. Um, and it comes from Martino Publishing published in 2013 again it's only 160 pages please go get this fucking book i don't even know what to read for an excerpt because so many things really stand out uh give me just give me a second let me choose something well actually let me give my boy robert williams the proper bio so robert franklin williams was born february 26 1925 in monroe north carolina and of course, it's important to point that out because that's the community he defended tooth and fucking nail. He was the NAACP chapter president from the mid-1950s up until 1961, where he virtually transformed a chapter of no members to a fucking booming chapter. He successfully integrated the local library and swimming pool and in 1959, he got gubernatorial pardons for two African-American boys that 
received absolutely fucking ridiculous and horrendous sentences in a case known as the Kissing Case in 1958. Um, it talks about in his book, one of the important things I want to highlight is that he was exiled from the country. Um, definitely read the book and get the details of why. I probably might choose that for my excerpt, but I'm going to just let you know he was exiled. Um, and pretty much he was sought after. Like they wanted to come kill him, imprison him, quote unquote, but pretty much take him out. And he ended up fleeing from, from North Carolina up to New York, then from New York to Canada, and then from Canada to Cuba. And that, like, that whole story and how he did it and what he did was fucking epic. Definitely go get this book or definitely just Google his name. Find out as much information as you can about him. Um, he's definitely not a name you're ever going to hear unless you do the science yourself. So that's what I'm here for. Um, let's see. What do I want to do for my excerpt? So my excerpt is going to be chapter 2. Pages 64 through 69. Um, for me, this chapter was kind of pivotal. It really was a help in me wanting to learn more and wanting to like understand that although like this is a dangerous element to, to society, it's also very necessary for me to not only have knowledge of it, but to involve myself in any way that can protect the people around me. That's something he did, and I feel like that's something we all should strive for, especially with what's going on in today's times. So if you have the book, open it up, pages 64 through 69, all right? First, we started a campaign of stand-ins of short duration. We would go stand for a few minutes and ask to be admitted and never get admitted. While we were preparing the groundwork for possible court proceedings, the Ku Klux Klan came out in the open. The press started to carry articles about the Klan activities. In the beginning, they mentioned that a few hundred people would gather in open fields and have their Klan rallies. Then the numbers kept going up. The numbers went up to 3,000, 4,000, 5,000. Finally, the Monroe Inquirer estimated that 7,500 Klansmen had gathered in a field to discuss dealing with the integrationists, described by the Klan as the, com the communist-inspired National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. They started a campaign to get rid of us, to drive us out, at the, to drive us out of the community, directed primarily at Dr. Albert E. Perry, our vice president, and at myself, the Klan started by circulating a petition. To gather signatures, they set up a table in the county courthouse square in Monroe. The petition stated that Dr. Perry and I should be permanently driven out of Union County because we were members and officials of the communist NAACP. The Klan claimed 3,000 signatures in the first week. In the following week, they claimed 3,000 more. They had no basis for any legal action but they had hoped to frighten us out of town just by virtue of sheer numbers. In the history of the South, in days past, it was enough to know that so many people wanted to get rid of a Negro to make him take off by himself. One must remember that in this community where the press estimated that there were 7,500 Klan supporters, the population of the town was only about 12,000 people. Actually, many of the Klan people came in from South Carolina. 
Monroe being only 14 miles from the state border. When they discovered that this could not intimidate us, they decided to take direct action. After their rallies, they would drive through our community in motorcades, and they would honk their horns and fire pistols from the car windows. On one occasion, they caught a colored woman on an isolated street corner, and they made her dance at pistol point. At this outbreak of violence against our Negro community, a group of pacifist ministers went to the city officials and asked that the Klan be prohibited from forming these motorcades to parade through Monroe. The officials of the county and the city rejected their request on the grounds that the Klan was a legal organization having as much constitutional right to organize as the NAACP. Self-defense is born of our plight. Since the city officials wouldn't stop the Klan, we decided to stop the Klan ourselves. We started this action out of the need for self-defense because the law and order had completely vanished because there was no such thing as a 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution in Monroe, North Carolina. The local officials refused to enforce law and order, and when we turned to federal and state officials to enforce law and order, they either refused or ignored our appeals. Luther Hodges, who is now Secretary of Commerce, was the governor of North Carolina at the time. We first appealed to him. He took sides with the Klan, they had not broken any laws. They were not disorderly. Then we appealed to President Eisenhower, but we never received a reply to our telegrams. There was no response at all from Washington. So we started arming ourselves. I wrote to the National Rifle Association in Washington, which encourages veterans to keep in shape to defend their native land and asked for a charter, which we got. In a year, we had 60 members. We had brought some guns, too, in stores, and later a church in the north raised money and got us better rifles. The Klan discovered we were arming and guarding our community. In the summer of 1957, they made one big attempt to stop us. An armed motorcade attacked Dr. Perry's house, which is situated on the outskirts of the colored community. We shot it out with the Klan and repelled their attack, and the Klan didn't have any more stomach for this type of fight. They stopped raiding our community. After the clash, the same city officials who said the Klan had a constitutional right to organize met in an emergency session and passed a city ordinance banning the Klan from Monroe without a special permit from the police chief. At the time of our clash with the Klan, only three Negro publications, the Afro-American, the Norfolk Journal and Guide, and Jet Magazine reported the fight. Jet carried some pictures of the self-defense guard. Our fight occurred two weeks before the famous clash between the Indians and the Klan. We had driven the Klan out of our county into the Indian territory. The national press played up the Indian Klan fight because they didn't consider this a great threat. The Indians are a tiny minority and people could laugh at the incident as a sentimental joke. But no one wanted Negroes to get the impression that this was an accepted way to deal with the Klan. So the white press maintained a complete blackout about the Monroe fight. After the Klan learned that violence wouldn't serve their purpose, they started to use the racist courts. Dr. Perry, our vice president, was indicted on a trumped up charge of abortion. He is a Catholic physician, 
and one of the doctors who had been head of the county medical department drove 40 miles to testify on Dr. Perry's behalf, declaring that when Dr. Perry had worked in the hospital, he had refused to file sterilization permits for the county welfare department on the grounds that this was contrary to his religious beliefs. But he was convicted, sentenced to five years in prison, and the loss of his medical license. All right, so that's going to be it for the excerpt. But yeah, it was a lot. But again, like I said, because he couldn't get equal protection from those that are sworn to protect and from the government, it was supposed to be for all, took it into his own hands to educate not only himself but the people around him. And then they started to protect themselves. And that goes really hand in hand with everything that's going on today. So much misinformation is passed around and so much fucking fear is, 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 is dramatized in the media. I think it's really just important to educate yourself, educate your family, your friends, and really be ready for if you ever have to take things into your own hands. One thing I'm starting to realize as I get older is it's not the government's job, it's not the police job really to protect us, it's to regulate us. It's to watch over us, I guess, and to make sure that there's some type of order at the end of the day. And everything else really just falls on the individual. So as an individual, the best way to be an individual is to have influence not only on yourself but on others. So if you can have a positive influence, you can learn to defend yourself and the people that you influence, go for it. And that's really what was preached all throughout this book. Um, again, like I said, later on in the book, he ends up being set up, uh, pretty much exiled out of the country. But luckily, we have this piece of fucking art, if you ask me, to show for it. And his legacy is going to live on forever. Shout out to Robert F. Williams again. Go get the book, Negroes with Guns. And yeah, happy Pride Month. <laughs> Almost forgot, it's June. So yeah, or oh, wherever you fall on the rainbow or on the spectrum of sexuality or personality, keep going for it. Don't ever, any, don't ever let anybody stop you. Um, if you're not really fighting for all equality, then what are you really doing? So I'm, I'm always going to support that also. Um, where do we want to go for music? Let's end off on a good fucking note. Hmm. So I have a band that I found last month. I went to a live show um, to see a group called No Vacancy. And uh, the lead band was a group called Koshari. They just dropped a double album called The Deep Divide. Go check that out. Um, their Instagram is at Koshari Music. It's K-O-S-H-A-R-I-M-U-S-I-K. Um, the lead singer's name, hmm, give me one second. Lead singer's name is Barb Western. And the lead guitarist is Brian Baxter. Uh, the album that I have, I purchased an album when I saw their show. The band was fucking killing it. Um, it was a huge, a huge fucking uh, uh, energy just came over me watching this band perform. It was nothing I'd ever heard before, so I was... I was excited to buy their album. The album I got is actually signed by everybody in the band. Huge shout out to them again for that. The album is called The Deep Divide. Again, the band is from Washington, D.C. Definitely go follow them, check out the music, and hopefully you get into this song. It's called The Phoenix.
next week. The book of the week is Louise Penny's The Madness of Crowds. It's a novel. Go get the book now. Um, you can read my review for this book, Negroes with Guns, on my website, Dermain.com, CompositionBookClub.com. Follow me on Instagram, same names, at underscore Dermain, at the Composition Book Club. You could win you a free book, man. <clears throat> Sorry if I'm sounding tired now. It's, it's been a lot of talking. Uh, usually not this long, but it was, it was a lot going on, so I had a lot to say, I guess. Um, yeah, again, go get the book, The Madness of Crowds by Louise Penny, and be ready to read. Enjoy the song in the meantime, and stay blessed, stay healthy, stay reading. I'm out.